This, 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 this is mythical. Ear Biscuits is supported by Live Nation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, yeah. Alanis Morissette, okay. Cage the Elephant. Why not? Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk. Oh, there you go, see? We built it up so much. About life for a long time. I technically didn't mess it up. I just paused in the middle. Yeah, you kind of had a I burst. just stopped and I picked it up. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link this week at the round table of not as dim lighting in our secondary but special location. We're gonna talk about the questions that keep you up at night. That was the prompt that we put out there into the world. You know, we put these prompts out into the world on our Twitter feed. Follow us on Twitter, at Mythical. If Twitter you wanna, feed. If you wanna see what these things are, if you wanna be a part of it, if you want to hear us say your Twitter handle and then rip your contribution to shreds, or not. That's not gonna happen. It no, never I'm happens. I'm super appreciative. I'm going to laud you with praise. So we go, we go through these for things. For your thoughts. You know, we'll come up with these prompts, or uh, Kiko or Jacob, will help us come up with these prompts sometimes, things that might lead to discussion. We have no clue what people are gonna say. And then we're, you know, we- no, I do, Link. We <laughs> sift through it. I've been a student of the internet for so many years, I know exactly what kind of responses we're going to get. Well, did you know that the responses to what question keeps you up at night could be pretty heavy? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we live in heavy times. Yeah, and then once we were going through them, I think we just had a different we had a different vibe. So who we was that rapper? We didn't pick the um who was the, the rapper the heaviest ones. This conversation we're gonna keep it light. What was the rapper that had heavy? It was a uh, heavy D. Heavy D. Heavy D and the boys. Heavy D. Heavy. I think there was a Z. Heavy rapper. times would be like the perfect comeback album for Heavy D right now. He is dead. Oh, <laughs> that'd be quite a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> that would also <laughs> if someone has died and then they make a new album, quite a comeback is a good one. Uh, of course, there's a lot of people putting out posthumous albums. Yeah, people think Tupac's still alive. I know, well, I mean, what do you think of the new Pop Smoke? <laughs> uh, I, I, I've heard, I've heard uh, my son talking about this. I, I can't I, say I've partaken. I, I only know one Pop Smoke song. I mean, if someone's dead, I don't really wanna get into him. Lincoln was a huge fan of Juice World before he died. And then it's just, it's so sad now, you know? I thought you said you didn't want to be heavy. You did <laughs> I was talking about talking Heavy, about heavy D, D coming back yeah, and then but... you said he was dead. You could have lied to me. You could have said, yeah, 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 he's back. What was that Heavy D song? What was the song? He had like a song or two, you know? It wasn't great. He had a, his voice was kind of like, his voice was, he kind of had a newscaster voice. It was interesting. Huh. The way that he rapped, he had a, he had a newscaster kind of. Never thought of it like that. Kind of lilt to his voice. Um, I have something that I need to catch you up on, you and you. Um, Do it. So some of you who may uh, follow me closely on, on the Twitter or even follow my wife closely on the Twitter uh, know that we tend to get into these little back and forths and sometimes she'll take a picture of me doing something stupid or whatever. Um, and a couple weeks ago, and maybe a few weeks ago by this point, she took a picture of me with a feline which is, uh, is the technical term for a cat. Now you might know that I typically, uh, I'm not fond of cats. I was once hip hypnotized to try to like cats and I couldn't, I tried. I gave it the old college try. And um, I have stated clearly that I don't hate cats, I just strongly prefer dogs, right? Lots of theories about why this is. I think you've even said that 
So the times when you assert your hate for cats. It's kind it's, of a bit. It's a it's a comedic assertion. Yeah. It's it, fun. It's based, it's one of those things that's based in the truth that I prefer dogs. It's height, it's high, It's a heightened reality. I wouldn't, you know, I would not own a cat uh, or have a cat as a pet if you don't like the term own for pets. Um, and some people have been like, well, you know, people who don't like cats are full of themselves. Uh, they want somebody to worship them. They're afraid of rejection. Maybe all that's true. I don't know, but I do like I do prefer dogs more. However, my wife and I've been wa- taking a lot of walks during the COVID, and um, I don't know, six weeks ago, we're walking past this house that we have walked past many times, and a what do you call the cat? That's like an orange striped cat, Garfield. Uh, I thought that was a tabby cat. I don't know. I'm not a cat expert. I don't. I'm, I don't know much. Let's about just call it a Garfield-like cat. Makes a beeline for us as we're passing this house. Okay, yeah. like coming at us hard. And at first, I was a little bit like, when a cat's coming at you hard, I mean, somebody like me is who's not typically scared of animals is like, what's this cat gonna do? Um. What is it called? Orange cat breed. It, it's, what you have is what I've seen. What breed are orange cats? Tabby, orange the orange tabby. tabby. You're right. Persian, munchkin, American bobtail, British shorthair, Bengal, Maine coon, Abyssinian, and Egyptian it was like your, mouth. It was like that. It was like your classic short-haired, that one right there, that's it. Yeah, it was like the cat I had as a child, Thomas who only came to my house Thomas. And, and visited me in the shed out back whenever he felt like it. Mm. So anyway, uh, this tabby cat approaches us and begins to meow loudly, and again, not being a cat expert, I don't know exactly what this means, but he does not seem to be aggressive at all. And then he proceeds to- Have both of you or just you? Both of us. Then he proceeds to do that thing where cats rub up against your leg. Okay. Ostensibly to say, hey, I like you, I love you. And this doesn't happen often with cats and me, or cats and people that I knew of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I'm immediately sort of into this cat. I mean, I gotta be honest oh, with you. Oh, yeah. Right there on the street, And huh? again, this probably you know, fits perfectly the theory that people who want to be worshiped and loved and are afraid of rejection like dogs more. And if you can find a cat that's dog-like and wants to love you, worship you, and not reject you, then you feel what you, you you love the cat back. That's me. I'm shallow. So this cat is I wasn't really say it. this really cat is really going at my legs. Really begins to have an affinity for me. I get down on my knees. What, what were you wearing? Shorts or pants? I don't walk in pants. I were mean, you wearing like were you wearing that carpet suit from way back in the day that <laughs> nope, we have? Nope. Just my straight carpety legs were the things that they were. This cat was rubbing on, okay. and my wife got a picture with it. Not a great picture, it was dark. I was looking down, but she posted it on Twitter. And uh, I said, more to come. I, I Actually, I think I, I tweeted something like, I, uh, breaking news, I have found a cat that I think I like, or something like that. I did see that. So let me just tell you that we began to, really, I began to always want to walk past this house. Oh, a tryst. And this cat, seven out of 10 times, would be there, no, you know, no identifying marks. I mean, other than it's what it looks like. I mean, no leash, no collar. No collar. Okay, no leash. Of course, it wasn't. <laughs> it's was carrying a leash. No collar, and uh, it would just come out into the road. And not, I mean, but it like, would always come from that house, even though it didn't have a. Always come from that house. Like mm. it would be in that front yard of that house. Sometimes it would be sitting on the steps, and also so people feed feral cats. When we walked with Barbara, it would come up to Barbara like, "Hello, friend," on Seriously? four legs. Yes, like. And Barbara, you know how Barbara reacted to that cat in the video. Barbara just kind of was indifferent towards this cat, but did not growl, did not hiss, didn't do Whoa, anything, really? didn't bark. Neutral territory, not your home. That's what people are saying in the comments. And um, I began to really like this cat. And I actually began to think things like, I'm gonna steal this cat? Well, I thought that a little bit. I wasn't gonna admit that. Uh, no one would know. I started to think, I think I could have a cat. Boy, wouldn't that wouldn't that send waves through the internet? I mean, maybe I think a little too highly of myself, but mm. um, at least through the fandom, it would send a ripple through a subset of our fandom, right? And uh, so, and then one time, the last time, most recent time I saw the cat, 
Jesse and I are walking. He comes up, he does this thing, I pet him, he's purring, he's meowing. And then we start walking, he's like, I'm gonna walk with you guys. Just starts walking with us. Huh. Walks a full block. And at that point I'm like, do you really wanna keep walking with us? I mean, this is a four mile walk, bud. And uh, he seemed to understand the English and he sort of slowed down, turned around. But I started to think, this is, you know, hmm. uh, we live, uh, you know, there, there's coyotes around, you know, and I've seen, uh, in in our old house, coyote will get a cat. I once found or a little dog. I told I think I think I told this story on a, a ear biscuit in times gone by. Found a half a cat, just a half a cat in my front yard one mm, time. Yeah, right. So that's what coyotes do to cats. They take half. Hey, you were halfway there <laughs> they, way back then. You just didn't know it. They take half. They leave half. <laughs> you cat you know? lover. And um, so I was worried. I love cats, but I love them in their whole form. Especially, and it, and it was just the back half of the cat, which the coyote yeah, takes the interesting part. So I, 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 I was, I was worried about this cat. I was like, you just can't be befriending oh, look everyone. At look at you with emotions you towards can't the cat. Just go up to dogs and people. Like you can't just trust people. I felt like I had like a fatherly instinct to be like, let me. T you need to watch videos about strangers and vans and stuff. <laughs> So carry a picture of a coyote next time you walking past. Just the other night. Oh no, is this bad? Jesse and I are walking, getting ready to get up to the house. Get to the house. On the post in front of the house, there is a sign. What? It is a picture of my friend and it says, lost cat. You stole the cat. I did not steal the damn cat. The cat's gone. Oh no. And, uh, both halves? I'm, uh, I'm assuming. And, the cat's but, gone. And then I then on the rest of our the walk- The cat didn't have a collar. I the noticed- The never had a collar. Uh, I noticed other signs. If you're gonna make signs, a sign for a cat, if you care enough to make a sign when the cat's gone, you should care enough to give the cat a collar before it's gone. I just think this cat didn't need a collar. But anyway, there's other signs all throughout the neighborhood. Dang. And uh, I was just like, what does this mean? What is the, you know, I don't really believe that the universe is telling me things, but I do find it uh, somewhat helpful to just assume the universe is telling me things. I find that a useful way to live. If God, I'm gonna say God, is gonna yeah, tell you I something. I think that's interchangeable with the term then, universe. For you, then he's gonna tell you something. I hope it's gonna be not about a cat. Well, I mean. What What are you, if if it, if the universe is telling you something, what is it? I, and why is this about you? I'm just, well, because I'm- Somebody lost their poor cat. I'm interacting with this cat, so okay. in my world, in my point of reference, okay. I need to understand, that's a weird question to ask. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out how I should interpret this sign. You know, I was moving towards a cat. I was opening my heart towards a cat. I was enjoying time with cat. <laughs> and? And now cat is gone. Cat was taken from you. And listen, I listen. I feel for these people, uh, but that cat is dead. I mean, I, I interacted with that cat long enough to know that that cat in our neighborhood, that cat is not around anymore. You thought, but. I mean, maybe somebody did steal you it. You did say it, for a second you thought about. I'd like. I wouldn't like a cat. I would like this cat. And, and I that, will. And one time Barbara did. The one time Barbara got out of our house, you know the story. She, she literally like somebody stopped and saw her walking down the street. They opened the door and she jumped in the car with them. That is the kind of dog that Barbara is, and that's the kind of cat that this cat was. So it's, it's a it's a it's a lover. It's not a fighter. And so it it tried to love a coyote, and I think the coyote mm. gave it a special kind of love back. Again, the collar thing reduces the level of sympathy, but I do know that there are people who will feed uh, feral cats, and they will consider they will have a relationship with them, but well, they won't let yeah, them in the house. They I, won't. I, I, this is clearly that kind of relationship. And yeah, we had a guy who was moving out of our neighborhood who was uh, friends with Christy through the gym she used to go to, and he was like, "Listen, I know you guys live near me, a, a couple of streets down the hill." This is an odd request, but we're moving. Um, Do you want our cat? Would you? Would you feed our cat? Yeah. Would you take care of our cat? Because it's a it's a feral cat. It just it runs through the neighborhood. But we feed it, and she shows up every morning. And I want to bring her to your house and have you feed her and have her start showing up at your door. 
Mm. Like he was really concerned about this cat. Mm. And you I guess, no. you know, you can't have it both ways. It's, it, I would think it would be weird if that cat, a feral cat who you just happen to feed and have a relationship with, when it goes missing, you would put up signs to then what? Start, bring it back. So, so it will you, come back. But it, but it no. goes all, it's a free cat. Hear, that cat, well, I, hold on. The, I, the short again, life I'm it lived. A, I'm not a cat expert. Was a, was a full life, man. I'm not a cat expert, but I, I cat, tend to believe that feral cats in the, in the, in the traditional sense are not as people, you know, they don't come up to people that is and, strange, and meow yeah. and yeah, that's strange. and rub on them. This is a, this is a house cat. This is a, this is a cat that has it both ways. This is a cat that gets whatever it wants. This cat definitely was on the inside and the outside. And you know what? This is like a this is like a cat in a halfway house. You know what I I'm saying? I think we can celebrate the cat's life, and we don't have to feel sad because halfway house that was that, that cat had it all. Half he's in half right now. That cat, everyone it met, it just it just showered with love. I mean, no it, it offense lived, to you. It, I don't think you, I don't think you were special. You know, no, it ended sense. up, it ended up developing a special bond with me. You were a giant felt. dude walking a dog. If it came up to you, that cat would come up to anything. You're right, it would come up to a coyote. Well, I don't, my, my dog does the same thing. My dog has no loyalty to me and I still love it. Um, my dog would have gone home and just started a new life with that other family. I know it for a fact. So you never thought about us okay, again. Okay, well maybe that cat, did you name it? It has a name. And it's on the sign, but I didn't want to say it because I don't oh. want to, you know, I don't like people making connections. It had a name, but a, it didn't have a collar. With the neighborhood and still that kind of thing. still doesn't add up. I don't think I'm missing anything, am I? It's just, a, what? I think it's pretty simple. If you're gonna post signs when it's gone, you need to give it a collar before it leaves. Yeah, it's, I think the cat is just, was a loose, they were holding onto this cat very loosely and they I think, lost grip. But for you, the cat was an angel leading you to the love of the feeling. I didn't know where the relationship was going, but it was going places very fast, and I was just letting my heart just take flight. I, I, I wasn't. It, was, it I, ended all too soon. I, I was rerouting my path to this house. I was spending quality time with the cat. I was getting pictures with the cat. Um, Are you okay? I don't. I don't want to gloss I over. I that. don't think I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> because I don't think I'll find another cat like this. You won't. I know for a fact. I mean, first of all, if you don't like kittens. You don't have a heart. You're not human if you don't like kittens. Like no one's like kittens suck, right? Kittens are awesome. I got to have a kitten. Um, but the chances that the kitten turns into a regular cat, pretty high, are so high, so high. And at that point, it's like I'm I, I'm not interested anymore. I I do I I I want the animal to love me. I, I'm getting emotional support from this animal. I mean, when I do my stretches in the morning and Barbara gets on me, I need that. I become dependent upon that. You know what I'm saying? If when Barbara leaves or Barbara dies, mm. she will be replaced potentially with a clone of her, or probably just another dog. Mm. Um, a lot of responses to our prompt of what question keeps you up at night uh, ha were related to dogs. Uh, they were re a lot of people are kept up at night thinking, "What does their dog think of them?" Mm. Uh, no one thinks about what their cat thinks of them because I think they, they know. know, right? Um, we already talked about that on an ear biscuit. For, so for all of you who, did we not devote an entire ear biscuit to this? To what your dog is thinking? Yes. I, I think that know, was what we call somebody our, recently a rabbit said, hole episode. You guys. So look back look back through that if you really want us to discuss that because we're not hitting on that today. Somebody recently said, because it is happening so regularly now that we've got so many episodes of ear biscuits and so many episodes of Good Mythical Morning and Good Mythical More, that we will have a conversation about something. The bidet it, conversation. And, people, and we're like blown away. Yeah, we talked about the bidets last week or a week before, yeah. whatever. People are like, guys, you did a whole episode on GMM where you highlighted this product. You really do forget an episode as soon as it's done, don't you? And the, the fact is, it's, there's just so many. Yeah. It, yes, I forgot. I, I saw that. I, I, I saw that. I, I mean, I knew that they existed, but I didn't, you know, it, they didn't exist in my accessible world. Well, the interesting thing about that. Um, because the the memory did flood back when I saw the the little segments from the show. We were wearing fake butts and we were testing strange uh, yeah. butt products, and one of them was a portable bidet, and it was different than the one that I got. It, it, did you look at it? Is it is it? No, the one I didn't you, watch it. Oh, uh, you didn't see the picture. Mine's it, in the bathroom in there. I got it here. Well, now. it's like a teal color, and it's got a longer wand on it, and the wand doesn't fold down. Oh, my wand folds down. Okay, I'm pretty sure the wand doesn't fold. 
How does the wand not fold? What is that? What happens then? It's just don't squeeze it until you're ready, I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, so here we were squeezing this thing on each other's fake butts over our pants, which had our real butts underneath. And we were just talking about how, I mean, the scent, I, don't, I didn't watch it, it was a gif. So there wasn't anything to listen to, but we were just talking about how strange it was and oh, how we have changed. Oh yeah, we love it now. As we said, get on the train. We did it and we don't even remember when we thought it was weird. That's how revolutionary this is two episodes ago because I, yeah, yeah. Well, because the other thing people pointed out Th was that's how that's how much you that's how much it can impact your rectum. Our conversation and your life. about uh, towel, um, yeah, and, and some and, that was another one. And somebody was like, "Guys," and that, Link well, was invited the to con the, the context. Give the context the on Good Mythical Morning a, a few weeks ago. We did the thing where we tried a bunch of different. Uh, Levels of Chinese food. Super inexpensive Frozen. to super expensive. And the super expensive restaurant that we got the food from was called Tao. And I talked about how I went to my friend's birthday party there, super fancy, whatever. And Link was like, well, I'll why put didn't you on I a go? Guilt trip. And I, I said, like, why didn't I go? And, and I, at the time, I didn't remember. So yeah. I figured that you were invited, but I thought it would be funny to act as if you weren't invited. So we had that conversation. People were like, <laughs> it's funny how often people get try to read so many things into yeah. the things that we say to each other. <laughs> I love it though, that's why I feed into it, but um, they were like, Link is really upset about not getting invited to Tao. I was so Tao. upset. <laughs> yeah, I was so upset. You weren't, he was invited to Tao. He couldn't go for some reason. The, the irony. He, but the, but the, the irony of my joke. It was 2017. Yeah, oh, that was long time so ago. So many years ago. The irony of my joke is that I know it elicits it elicits that response, but the joke is predicated on some people's assumption that whenever one of us does anything, that the other person should always be invited, like that we're <laughs> we're always there. Well, it's like when like, people find us in public and they say, "Where's Link?" I'm like, I don't know. Find us in public. Find yeah, or right. either one of us. They, right. They ask where the other guy is. It's like I could be anywhere can in the things. world. And the ninety percent of the time, if I'm by myself, is like, "Where's Link?" I don't know. I don't track him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, he. I. But we are together a lot, and every time they see us, we're together. So they just assume that must be the way that they exist. We are together a lot. Yeah. But I've never been to Tao, and you. We we totally forgot that we had that conversation, which at that time you were you were like, you were invited, and I was like, yeah. Christy was invited, but then she forgot to tell me, and then she forgot about mm -hmm. it, and we made other plans. But do you know? Think about how think about how impossible it is, it would be to have a brain that could access all your memories, but also at the same time access the venue at which you access those memories publicly. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. so we've had so many conversations on Ear Biscuits, on Good Mythical Morning, etc. But we've also had a lot of conversations just in life amongst friends, with just the two of us here, and they're part of the brain that would be able to catalog every single memory and also attach a little flag to it that says, that conversation happened on Ear Biscuits. Nobody except a very advanced, yet to be invented artificial intelligence could be able to do that. But we have it. We have a brain extension and it is the the mythical beast right, that's fandom true. that remembers these things because you know of of all of them out there that are that are talking on the mythical society that are talking on reddit yeah, that it's are a talking database for sure and it's a they're accessing and you know binge watching and just having this it's very fresh to them and they can remember it because if they hear us talk about something and they've heard us talk about it before it's easy to remember that i've heard that story about the chinese restaurant before because and they don't have to know exactly where it ha took place, even though uh, this person who found it did know exactly and then cut it out. But I do think that, and it's it's changed how we talk about things because we've come to grips with this reality slowly over time. I don't know exactly how you feel about it, uh, but I know that I am overly sensitive to it. Even like I made a comment after our last ear biscuit. I was like, you know, I'm not happy with. I don't, I don't like referring to stories that we've already told. Or retelling stories, like and you know, and you're like, hey, people like that because it gives them a sense of if you're referring to something that they missed, it's like, hey, I should have been listening earlier. I should have been, I should have been a part of this. And everything, every new thing we talk about, 
is something that then can be a reference point later because it's part of our lives and if, even if we forget it, you can help us with it. But And if they remember it, then they feel like they're a part of something, they've been, they've been around. So I think the thing that, the way that this phenomenon has impacted us, or at least one way, is we kinda own, own the fact that we do things for comedic effect that, you know, and it seems, it doesn't denigrate our sincerity, but it's it's just strange dance that for for the longest time, you know, we would we told the stories, we put it out there, and then you tell the stories later, and they're a little bit different, or they morph, or whatever. And we talk about like how memory changes, and like we give ourselves the excuse. But basically, there's also this, like you said about the cat thing. Years ago, we wouldn't talk about the cat thing in that way, and I I think it, that's part of the phenomenon of like the constant communication with our listeners is that they know us better than we know ourselves sometimes. And so, hey, it's like, oh, we just said that for comedic effect. Or, you know what, we forgot that, so I filled in the gap with something a little bit different, <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Or there was an example of the, uh, I don't know if it was, I think it was the Wired autocomplete interview that we did, and um, all the comments are, we, basically it was just one, we were in one of those weird moods where it's early in the morning in New York City and we did that interview. Yeah. And we usually take a super like sarcastic tone when, when it comes to any of that sort of, those interviews that are done in that way. Cause we're like, we're just here to be funny, right? And we almost get so committed to sarcasm that we make a mockery of the whole thing. And so people who watch that, the comments are, I don't, think any, they told any truth in this <laughs> interview. I, I think that they were joking the whole time. And then if you don't know us, the tone switch between being sarcastic and being truthful, especially for me, there is none, there is no tone switch. <laughs> it's exactly the same. You just have to, you have to be on your toes. But there's a little, twi there's a twinkle in the eye. Yeah, you, you gotta really know it. Yeah, yeah, but usually it's the context of what I'm saying is how you know whether or not it's true. And then sometimes I'll watch something back and I'll be like, yeah, that's. I seemed serious there, but I wasn't. I get it. If you thought I was serious there, I don't blame you. So I don't know. We're now we're just turning it, just turning this into like a self analysis podcast. But we do that too much. Let's just analyze. Let's analyze other people's brains. And uh, what keeps you up at night? Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever, and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together. But you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Yes. Pets. So that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Okay, first question uh, is from Caleb W. Francis. We're big fans of Caleb. He uh, we funny, we found, funny, funny guy. Found him on TikTok, and uh, now we you know we follow each other on social medias of different sorts. He's got a question. He went to the beach. I've been following his Instagram stories. He, I think he took like a full cross country trip. Apparently, oh, I saw him on a beach. The beach. At one point, he got to a beach. Um, why do we only get two sets of teeth? The first set only lasts like five to six years, and the second set is supposed to last a possible 90 plus years. Hmm. Seems like we could use more sets of backup teeth. Oh, now Caleb, thank you for uh, responding. You know, you're a, you're a public comedian. You know, it's, it, you gotta, there's this moment when it's like, okay, am I gonna respond to somebody, some other creator's prompt? It's like, Okay, if, if he considers himself a, just a fan and he's responding that way, then as a mythical beast, boy, that makes me feel good, Caleb. I'm glad you're in the fold. And if you did it just because, for other reasons, I'm glad you did it anyway. You know, what I'm saying is, if you still wanna use this teeth bit as a funny TikTok. You should. Still do it. Right. You know? In fact, it may even be cool for people who connect it to. Yeah, see if you can do that. 
Now, this Let is a great see. question. Yeah, I, two things come to mind for me. The first thing, we, you know, you've heard this, you know that elephants have a certain set of teeth, number of sets of teeth, and then when the final set wears out, they die. That's how they know they're supposed to die. My teeth are gone and that's not actually how it works. They just can't eat anymore. But the second thing that makes me, that I think about is, I often think about when people get their teeth knocked out in sports, hockey, whatever, just maybe an accident with a weed whacker, it happens, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the only thing I'm thinking about when somebody gets their teeth knocked out as an adult, I'm like, that's it. Those teeth are gone forever. Like now that you're gonna have some kind of denture situation. Uh-huh. Now it's one thing if you get dentures when you get old, um, but when you're like 22 and you get your, like your front teeth knocked out, it's like, damn. You got to get dentures now, right? I mean, I guess they maybe they got some sort of technology. They're pretty like, good. They're but, pretty good at that, though. Yeah, I think people. I don't think it ends up being that big of a deal. I mean, now, you, but you, think about the old days. Think. Let's oh. go back before modern dentistry. Oh, wooden teeth. Wooden teeth, man. Or even before that, let's Dead go back to people's the, teeth. Let's go back to mouths. like the cave people. Think about how devastating. It would be like you get into a fight and you're like, I'm gonna punch this, I'm gonna punch you in the face. It's gonna break your front teeth. And so for the rest of your life on this earth, you can't like bite a turkey leg. Well, if you not not if you normally knock a couple out, you can still bite it. You can't bite it in the same way. You're gonna be a side biter. And if you got a little mouth, like me, side biting is difficult. So I don't I, want I think you should have backup teeth. I mean, I don't know how many teeth Caleb has lost. I mean, I'm you know, it's like what and I don't seems think, like he might have lost some adult teeth. I don't think they're wearing down. Like, I mean, I see a lot of old people and yeah, yeah. It's not about it's not about wear and tear for humans. As much as it's just, just about, be, it would be not. It would be nice to. What if it happened like a shark? Like they, I mean, they just oh, con, man, they're, they they're lining up like in a coliseum to to drop down. You know, I am not with you on this one, Caleb. Because if there's anything I hated in childhood, it was getting my toenails cut. But if it was anything else, it was losing teeth. Man, losing teeth was like pulling teeth for me. It's horrible. Like, I never, my Aunt Vicky, man, I went over to her house and like, I would let the tooth just rot out and it would just, it would have to fall out on its own. Yikes. But, but she would get antsy and she would say, come over here and I'm gonna wrap it up in a Kleenex and yank it out. This is where being an only child gave you a disadvantage in this area. When you have a when you have siblings, yeah. They do things like tie your tooth up to like a tr- a three-wheeler and you know what I'm saying like That happened to you? No, but that's an exaggerated form of the kind of things that happen. You, you Did Cole do something to you? You need I don't to have, tell us. I all? don't have any specific memories. I have more like I watched this happen on the internet type memories and I'm sure that we did something like that. Did you enjoy pulling your own teeth? Uh I enjoyed right after it was pulled. Because it's annoying for it to be loose? Yeah, it's like having this weird thing in your mouth and you're like, I gotta get rid of this thing. It's like a jostly hangy rock. There's a sense of euphoria when it comes out. And, and then never after it comes that. out, it's like, oh, that didn't hurt. You know what I'm saying? It's like. But there, it's, it, the, it's bloody and it's fleshy under there and the color of that pulpy flesh is just gross. Don't look at it. It's in your, you have to really and, make an effort to look at then, it. And then a few hours later, you gotta eat something? This is why I still have my wisdom teeth, by the way. You know what, I should have had those pulled decades ago. Well, you don't need to worry about it now. And now it's like, well, as long as you keep them clean, so I, I try really hard. But I don't, I mean, if, if I had to look, if, if I was like, oh, you know, I'm middle age, about to, get my, about to get my old man teeth, they're, they're wider and, so for every two you lose, you get one in its place or something interesting like that. So I don't know, it'd be something to look forward to, but the losing thing, even even at this age, like I, I, I've never pulled any of my children's teeth. I can't believe that Lando, he would get so annoyed with them, he would, he would pull them out. That's, he worked up a lot more courage than me. That's normal childhood that's, behavior. But Lando's a lot like me at that age. There was, there was a lot of just, Nervousness, right? So, I'm. Aren't you a little surprised that he's just yanking yeah, him I out? Am, yeah. So I'm. I'm. I'm proud of the guy. But it's because he's got brothers and sisters. Even just the presence of of siblings has an impact on that kind of thing. I, that's my theory. But I don't think you're talking about 
pulling teeth. And the I've tooth talked, fairy, the tooth fairy would sometimes wait over a week to come and get that tooth from him. The tooth fairy doesn't visit our house. We, he, I, I don't know if he knows where we live. Um, I think this is more this situation that I'm getting at, which is you accidentally lose a tooth for some reason, right? I certainly hope this doesn't happen to me in my adult life, but it could. Wow, you really fear this. I would say I have a, a rational fear of, of of getting my teeth knocked out. First of all, just whatever happens that you get does your teeth Does it break off or does the root come out too? It depends on the nature oh, of gosh. it, man. I mean, I'm thankful that we live in modern times and it will be a relatively easy thing. And I've got plenty of friends who are like, oh yeah, this whole half of my top teeth are fake or something like that. And yeah. oh, I, didn't, I had no idea. But, but it's interesting because you know, evolution has doesn't have an awareness of any modern technology, right? So evolution is just happening blind, blindly based on people's environments and adaptations. And so, for whatever reason, it it was not seen as advantageous to have another set of teeth. But you have to know that lots of people are losing teeth. And now, in the modern world, with sugar, basically just sugar, you got tooth decay that also evolution was never prepared for, right? So you've got like certain cultures that are like living in the Amazon and all of a sudden they're introduced to modern foods and then their just teeth start falling out because they have not coupled eating sugary foods with modern dental hygiene. Mm. You gotta have both of those together. And even sometimes if you do, if you don't do a good job at cleaning those wisdom teeth, they're gonna have to pull them out someday. So I don't know. I don't really understand why we don't have the backup teeth, but it was just determined to not be worth the genetic effort. I'm so thankful for that. The, <laughs> the thing about wisdom teeth is you pull those out and they don't wanna come out. That's the that's what's been so scary for me all these years. Yeah, my father-in-law pulled mine because he's a dentist. And, um, and he, he just has a wanton desire to yank something that he loves is, it. is perfectly at home where it is out. Well, he loves oral surgery in general. And in my mind, he like had one leg up on the dentist chair. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like it was gosh. like one of them was so, my roots were twisted. Oh. And like he was like, my head was like going <laughs> Like, you know, like really like, he was like, I was having to like hold my neck back. It's, and it's like makes, it makes a popping sound when it comes out. Here, I don't recall. The only way I would do it is if I was drugged so aggressively. Okay, Th this, this next question, this is a head scratcher. I think I do have an answer though that, or at least something that can guide us. This is from, uh, is that Xylee's servant? Yeah. Sid. Um, if a blood donor kills someone, can the person who received the murderer's blood be convicted of the murder based on DNA evidence? This is why blood donor doning is anonymous. So you can't frame somebody. Does this happen? It doesn't matter if it's anonymous because Let's just say you just received a bunch of blood and then you got mad at somebody or there was just some justifiable reason that you wanted to kill somebody <laughs> and you did it and in the process you were like stabbed and you bled in the crime scene. Could the DNA of the blood, let's just say you got like a almost a full blood Point transfusion. Point to the donor, yeah. Uh, so we're not scientists, I think that's been made abundantly clear but we do know how to read articles on the internet. Well, but I didn't read any articles. So, so. Go, go ahead and give me your best guess and I'll give you the, some, some uh, scientific guidance afterwards. I think that your, your let's see, because DNA, I mean there's certainly DNA in blood because it's just a cell. They all have the DNA. But to me it has to, do, if you did it immediately, like you got a, you got a, like a huge freaking blood transfusion, like the, the I would say it would have to be like, 90, over 90% 90 of your blood would have to be replaced because I, I think somehow you get some, you gotta have maybe, a, I was, I'll say 65% of your blood has to be replaced and then. You're getting very specific for and just then a non-scientific You have to murder somebody within, I would say an hour. And because, that's, boy, that's tough. To get a blood transfusion and then murder somebody? Yeah, it's, you're pretty weak at that point. That would be so badass. But I, you walk right out of the hospital and just kill the first person you see. Or just do it right in the hospital. Kill the person who is giving, who's saving your life. 
There's the irony. Yeah, but that we're not gonna really need much of an, much of an investigation <laughs> if you kill like the person in the hospital bed next to you. That's true. Giving you blood. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not a criminal. You know what? I'm glad you're not a detective. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that your blood um, assimilates very quickly. Like foreign blood uh, is a, is accepted and like the DNA is replaced or there's just not enough of it. There's, and it, I think that's what it is. So. It has to be quick and it has to be a, a big transfusion. Ear Biscuits is supported by the farmer's dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That, that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash ear. I mean, I think you're basically right. Um, oh, thank goodness. Scientific American has this article from uh, 2009 by Michelle Gong. Michelle N. Gong, an assistant professor at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine explains. So we got an assistant professor? Well, I mean, that doesn't, I mean, she's probably a professor at this point. Sounds like a TA to me. Um, so basically, I'm not gonna read this whole article, but it seems to be the case that there's not, there is DNA in blood in blood that has been transfused, but it is almost certainly going to be overwhelmed by the DNA of the recipient. Like so in the in the crime scene, uh, now you're kind of talking about like just blood everywhere. Typically DNA evidence is like hair, skin cells, saliva, there's more than just blood, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but even within the blood, and I guess I mean if if you if you replace 90% of your blood, I don't know what the case is, but typically if you just go and you get, you, you receive blood because you needed a blood transfusion that did like a certain percentage of your blood, mm -hmm. it says that donor DNA and blood transfusions uh, in the recipients persist for a number of days, sometimes longer, but its presence is unlikely to alter genetic tests significantly. Basically, you once you go and you it start- It could happen though. Like analyzing the DNA, the overwhelming DNA signature will be from your existing DNA, right? Um, but if literally, if that one situation of where you just basically are full of donor blood and it's got the DNA, now it says something about like transfused blood, um, red blood cells, the primary component in transfusions have no nucleus and no DNA. What? Transfused blood does however, ha host a significant amount of DNA containing white blood cells or leukocytes around a billion cells per unit, roughly one pint of blood. Red blood cells have no nucleus and no DNA? So yeah, so you, you, not saying that there is not a DNA signature there, but there's gonna be red blood cells. You're gonna have some red blood cells. Uh, are you gonna, there's gonna be, uh, D, there's gonna be some DNA there. And it, yeah, your body quickly assimilates. I don't know what that process is like and how you're, the, you know, the DNA gets overwhelmed and replaced, but I think that the chances of that particular situation of somebody getting all their blood, killing somebody, and the majority of their DNA being left at the scene is just more blood. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's probably never, that we've probably never had the opportunity to experiment with that specific scenario. I'm sure there's been somebody who's, who they've taken like a pint of blood that's not theirs with to, them. to frame somebody. But you got to you forensically. You got to be real smart about. But that. I think you should. I think actually taking. I've watched enough CSI. I think you take hair, spit, and some skin. 
if you really want to leave the mark from of somebody else. But getting so getting all wanna, that from a person you is wanna, difficult. You want to you want to you want to receive a blood donation, a hair donation, and a skin and spit donation. Well, and then you, kill somebody. If you coordinate this right, you could do it right. First of all, you got to develop a relationship with their barber, right? Yeah. Um, you can get lots of hair from a barber, and you can come up with all kinds of semi-legitimate reasons why you would need it. I'm gonna make a I'm making a sweater for my kid. <laughs> I, I, do you know that the most comfortable pillows are made of human hair? You don't want to tell the barber something that seems like a great business idea. It needs to be something personal, not something scalable like hair pillows. Yeah, I want to do a one of a kind hair painting for 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 that guy who was just in your chair, who I'm actually framing for murder. You know, I want to give him a hair hair painting gift. I believe that this is one of the scenarios where you're saying exactly the truth. Like sometimes in movies, like the killer will say exactly the truth and it's so outlandish that it just, nobody takes it seriously. I, I like, want to frame this guy for yeah, yeah. a murder I'm about to commit. Right, <laughs> they just give you the hair and you walk out. <laughs> yeah. So that's easy, get the hair. Skin, uh, you got to talk to their, I guess, masseuse? <laughs> You gotta talk to their masseuse. You gotta be like, after you rub this person down, can I, can I, Slough for, your si hands. for science purposes, can I, yeah, get, can I get a sample of skin, this is from your hands. Uh, spit, that's super easy. Um, I mean, there's a number of ways to get people spit. Uh, you could be like a fake 23andMe kind of service, get them to spit in something. Uh, you could be, you could probably go door to door, we're collecting the neighborhood spit. <laughs> Yeah, you could. You could. People will probably give you their spit. You could um, just cl just clean their. I think the the best thing to do, clean their house. Like show up as a cleaner. Oh, this is first good. service free. You get every. You get all the cells you yeah, want of right. every type, man. Yeah, and you can also dust for fingerprints and then maybe cre create some sort of freaking Tony Danza. Ear biscuits is supported by DoorDash. I'm keeping less alcoholic beverages in my house, um, lately. I'm kind of on that swing of the pendulum. Okay. But I will say, there's times when when you wanna crack open an adult beverage. Yes, it happens. Sometimes amongst friends, sometimes alone. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't I, wanna get into the details. I recommend with friends. If you're looking to celebrate with some special drinks, here's to alcohol deliveries with DoorDash. Whether you're hosting, sending a congratulatory gift, or just staying in to chill with a cold one, DoorDash is an easy call. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. With thousands of stores all over the country, you're sure to find what you're looking for and more. They have it all, beer, wine, mixers, and for those that don't drink, mocktails and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code EAR. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening, any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Okay, that was it, uh, we, okay. Um, What's the next one? The next one is also a crime question. Oh yeah, here we are, CSI. Don't get fooled again, Mariah. Uh, I don't see Mariah's handle because I screenshot this incorrectly. Mariah, though, if someone is framed for we're in f crime framing, if someone is framed for a crime and ends up in prison, but then they escape, and while they are on the run, the police figure out who really did the crime and put them away instead, would the person who wasn't supposed to be locked up in the first place have to go back for escaping prison? or would they just be free since they technically weren't supposed to be there anyway? Well, so you, if you're if you're wrongfully convicted and imprisoned, you escape and then at the same time exonerated. Enter Harrison Ford. Um I'm not lying, and this was not a setup for this question, but me and Shepard watched The Fugitive together like 3 weeks ago. I remember that being a good movie. I watched it basically when it came out. One of the like ninety four ish ninety two early nineties. One of the things that I end up doing quite often when I'm trying to figure out what we're going to watch as a family. I saw a movie. Did you hear? Oh that? yeah, yeah. You, Link has seen this movie, which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's all I needed. Um, I'll look up like top one hundred thrillers of all time. You know, I was like, I want to watch an action movie, yeah. a good yeah. action movie with Shepard. And uh, 
pulled out the fugitive. And of course, as it's coming on, first of all, there's this there's a moment in every movie that's made before like 2004 where kids know because the credits are so long at the beginning of the movie. They're like, what is this opening title sequence for like three minutes where they're telling me everybody who did everything in the movie, like you can't do that anymore because people are like, what the hell is this? Mm. Put that at the end, I don't care about it. A lot um, of movies, they put the title at the end now. Yeah, you got no time, you gotta get into it, man. People's I don't like, I'm not a fan of that, by the way. Title at the end? Not a fan of the title at the end. I want the title up front. Yeah. But I don't need. I, I watch the credits. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in LA. <laughs> I'm in the industry. I, I stick around and I watch the credits until the movie's done. When I go to a theater, long opening sequence to the Fugitive. But uh, this is the plot of the Fugitive, which is a, by the way, highly recommended movie. And yes, we are going to spoil it. But you can imagine if the setup of the thing is the guy is wrongfully convicted for a murder. In this case, the murder of his wife. You can imagine that he's going to exonerate himself. But the movie is basically about him being a fugitive. He's being chased by a federal agent and played by Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yeah. At his finest. Oh, yeah? Well, at his Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, he's just the yeah. same guy in every movie. And um, he's on the run, and then he's trying to prove his innocence. And he has an outlandish story about a guy with a prosthetic limb who killed his wife. Turns out that it's got some stuff to do with some pharmaceutical scheme, et cetera. But, uh, and also Jane Lynch makes a cameo before she was, you know, a household name. She's like, she works at the hospital. Anyway, in the movie, and I based all my legal opinions off of things that happened in movies from the 90s. He never went to prison. He didn't escape from prison, did he? Oh, uh, yeah. He was. I thought he, he escaped. Was, he was in custody. On the way or something. Well, he was in custody, whether okay. he's in prison or not. He's, yeah. in, he's in custody. He's on the inmate bus. Yes. And presumably he's already been in, uh, you know, he's been in captivity, he's been in jail mm -hmm. awaiting trial. He gets convicted. He's being transferred to prison with a bunch of prisoners in a bus. The bus wrecks. And he's given the opportunity to escape and he takes it. And then he's on the run and then he spends the whole movie trying to prove himself innocent. And of course, at spoiler the spoiler alert, he was not. <laughs> He's totally guilty. No, so, and at the end of the movie, when uh, basically, you know, Tommy Lee Jones, you can kind of tell, is becoming convinced of his innocence as the movie is going on. And so at the end of the movie, it's kind of like, dude, I know you like escaped the deal and we've been running all over the place, but. You can't do it. You, you know, you're, you're innocent, so yeah, go, go free, whatever. Oh, he, Tommy Lee Jones did let him go. Yeah, he's. He, I don't remember that. He, yeah, I mean, it, he's the the implication. I can't even though it's only been three weeks. I can't remember exactly what happens. The implication is he's exonerated himself. Everybody knows it, and he's not going to be in prison. And he's not going to be. This is the thing because in America, I, I went to Cora, uh, which is like where people who are sometimes experts or at least claim to be experts yeah. or think they're expert answer questions. And the answer to this question was filled with a bunch of people saying that at least in the United States. Uh, the act of escaping confinement is in itself a crime and often involves some sort of property damage and maybe some sort of assault is required in order to get out. So, But let's just say that it's a perfect situation, you didn't break any laws, you just, like, you looked and all of a sudden, like, the gate at the prison was open <laughs> and you just walked out. Yeah. You technically committed a crime when you did that, but in the court of public opinion, if you're exonerated when you're out. The judge may say, judge okay, might, the time served. Yeah, right. Time served. Right. Uh, in some countries. Especially if the time you've served is more than the time that would have been for an, a prison escape. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In some countries, I have read, it is not illegal to escape in prison. I saw that too. Uh, but Can that be true? But, but there's you, it's, it seems true because I read it and it was like grammatically correct. How is that possible though? Uh, but you typically- It's like saying you should escape. And then, I don't know, the one thing I read was like, you know, because it's it's, it's the natural, you can't punish somebody for their natural inclination to wanna not be in prison, but I was really? Well, what do they have a natural That's inclination ridiculous. to kill somebody? That's a ridiculous rationale. But even in those countries, there's typically other infractions associated with it that you can still be com convicted for and put back behind bars associated with an escape. And then there was this one anecdote of this guy, I think in Germany, where 
it is claimed to not be illegal to escape. Hmm. That um, the his prison outfit showed up at the prison, laundered and folded, and and uh, consider. In a considerate way, shipped back to them, so then they didn't have. You know, he didn't steal the. Oh, sounds like an urban legend. Yeah, I. But I, I read that. I have my doubts about the why that would not be the the law, but I don't know. I don't. I never thought about it. Um, you know, you talk about exoneration in movies. Like I, de- I, I think about the hurricane, mm-hmm. Denzel Washington. I definitely want to see that again. Uh, it's been a long time. Uh, since I saw that, that was a good movie. Um, it's a really good movie. Got to got to watch that one again. Oh, you know another good movie, and this along the same lines. Uh, Just Mercy. I uh, watched that recently. Oh, Michael, new movie, Michael B. Jordan. But again, based on a true story, uh, like a young attorney uh, trying to 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 prove a guy innocent, and uh, the guy st- still to this day operates this institution that is basically like the Innocence Project kind of thing, but offering legal. Yeah, I was gonna mention the Innocence Project because once you start thinking about the, just the the horrifying reality of being falsely imprisoned. I mean, there's one guy who was in prison for 37 years and then exonerated. You know. For a rape he didn't commit. I have, inc- I have an incredible story. I wasn't planning on telling, but it's this is my dad told me this. I was talking. I was talking to my dad, uh, who up until this year he retired. He was a, a law professor, and of course he was a lawyer before he was a law professor. And um, I was talking to him about how much I enjoyed Just Mercy, which is the story again of a young attorney, uh, a young black attorney going down to Alabama and trying to prove, like sort of re-examine the evidence around this uh, black guy who was falsely accused of murdering a white woman. And uh, it takes place in like, that Just Mercy takes place in like the 80s or 90s, 90s, or early 90s I think. Um, and as you can imagine, the guy was wrongfully convicted. <laughs> um, I was telling my dad about it and he, he just- If you're gonna make a movie about it, then yeah. right. He, t- he starts telling me a story. I'm like, why have you never told me this story before? So when my dad was a very new attorney, like had just graduated from, from law school and like just got, just passed the bar. Mm-hmm. He's a, you know, at that point you're kind of assigned cases. And uh, so there's a, there's a guy um, in, who's, who is a security guard in, uh, at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. Okay. And that, like whatever year this is, you know, my dad's beginning to practice law, so early 70s. And um, he, uh, a guy breaks into the Smithsonian and he has to shoot him and kill him. Wow. And as they're kind of, now he's innocent for shooting the dude, but in the process of like examining like who this guy is, they're like, this guy is a prison escapee. The security guard. The security guard. This guy escaped from an Alabama, no, I guess it was Georgia, from a Georgia chain gang in like 1940. Okay. So like 30 years ago, right? And he was convicted of some crime. I don't know what it was. I, I don't know what the crime was, but he was he was convicted of a serious crime, a felony, and then he was on the chain gang, and he escaped from the chain gang, and then goes on to live a normal life. But they find, oh, this guy is freaking uh, from a chain gang, and so they assign the case to my dad to my defend dad, him. To defend him. Oh wow! And uh, my dad sits down with him, and basically he's like, this guy uh, went on to live a completely fruitful you know, life contributing to a, to society. And also, by the way, because my dad asked him flat out, he was like, did you do the thing that you were convicted of? He's like, no. And he was like, he, 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 he said, I, I didn't even have the opportunity to enter a plea. And so my dad's like, okay, yeah, Georgia, 1940. I can imagine that mm-hmm. this is, the, this is the, the way it was. So my dad starts looking at the like, the documents, like the, the records. And 
he finds that there is a guy, some position in the court uh, who was overseeing, the, like an attorney who was overseeing these cases at the time who is still alive and who is now like 90 years old and lives somewhere in Georgia. And my dad goes to the dude's house, which is crazy because this is kind of what happens in Just Mercy, where like you go to these people who have something to do with the case. And of course, in Just Mercy, it's just, you know, a, you know, a decade ago or whatever, but this is like decades ago. And he sits down with this guy and he says, this is my client and this is what happened. Do you remember this case? And he was like, I don't remember the details of that case, but I'll tell you the way that it used to work. He said, every Monday morning, everybody that we had arrested, he said, every black person that we had arrested. Okay. Uh, we'd bring him into court and we would enter a guilty plea for all of them. Everyone, he says, would not give them an opportunity to testify, would not give them an opportunity to even to enter a plea. They would represent them all as a, as a collective, regardless of what had happened, whatever they'd been arrested for, just enter a guilty plea and then sentence them. Systemic racism, it's real. So, so my dad finds this out and he's like, well. So there's no trial, it's just a conviction. It's just yeah, a yeah, sentencing. Yeah, yeah. He, so he's like, well, we, obviously this is wrong. And so um, my dad like takes this, I, I don't know the, exactly what he did, but he basically takes this evidence to the thing and, they, and the judge says, all right, uh, this was a wrongful conviction and he's, he's, he's free, but then it, it's appealed or they have to take it to, the, to like the district court, which was in New Orleans. And my dad is, you know, who's, he's green. He's, he's green, he's already received like his like 500 bucks or whatever you get to, to represent somebody and you're not supposed to receive any more. He's like, uh, do you want me to go to New Orleans and defend this guy? And the, uh, and the judge was like, yep, and we'll make sure that you, you know, we pay for your <laughs> your expenses or whatever. He didn't have any money. So he goes down there and basically presents the case to uh, just a big court. It's, I, like a district court is just a bunch of judges like overseeing a bunch of cases, right? Um, and they let the dude go. Dang, that. That needs to be a movie, man. Yeah, I was like, dude, I was like, Dad, this is basically just mercy. Well, I was the, like, why have you never told me this story? The interesting thing about it is that the guy, you know, it's, I mean, after decades, maybe there's not as much fear, but there's still gotta be this thing that's like, I could, I'm, I haven't been caught, but I could have, I could have been found out and it could still happen. And I'm a security guard and I'm doing everything right. But then he's presented with this opportunity. I mean, to do his job requires shooting somebody in the Smithsonian or not, by the way. He didn't, you know, at that moment, he, it sounds like he did the right thing where that put him in, in danger of scrutiny that then it, yeah. it came to pass. You know, so doing the right thing put him in the crosshairs of, of going back to prison. Yeah. Man. Well, I think the thing that Just Mercy uh, highlights is that Okay, yes, you know, because of the civil rights movement, things have gotten better. That ex that exact scenario doesn't happen anymore. But the fact is is that the roots of that systemic racism are still very alive and well and we and they continue to be cut back. They continue to be uh rooted out literally. And but, you know, as recently as you know, the early 90s, it was basically a, almost exactly the same scenario but just with one individual guy. And then this stuff is still, you know, there's still a lot of this existing in sentencing and, um, you know, it's it still exists. It's like if you, any sort of nonpartisan evaluation of the current uh, justice system shows that there is still um, a bunch of inconsistencies and a bunch of injustice towards people of color. Still, you should. Still around. And that's why BLM exists. Yeah. But by the way, you should get some more stories from your from your dad. You should. Uh... Well, he's got a really good one I, that I think I've told before about the uh, being attacked <laughs> by some uh, some female inmates who uh, escaped from a place that he was like working. <laughs> he got he got like they teamed up on him and beat him up and, and got out. What? Like two or three female prisoners. Yeah, it's uh, he's got a good story about that too. He's were got, were yeah. they innocent? 
<laughs> Did he exonerate them after the fact? He represented them after the fact. <laughs> okay, if we got to we could do a we could do a crime podcast. We kind of did like a whole different a new podcast. You just could just turn this into a crime podcast. Crime biscuits. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll sleep a little better at night, some of you. Uh, yeah, and we, you know what? There's many more questions that we didn't get to, so we'll do this again. This was a fun conversation. It led to some really interesting yeah. places. Uh, you know what? I'm, I wasn't gonna make this my wreck, but I am gonna make it now that I talked about it. Just Mercy, the movie. Uh, just, I mean, it's super well done, first of all. Uh, you got Jamie Foxx playing uh, the guy who was convicted. You got Michael B. Jordan playing the attorney. Um, really great performances, and I just think it's one of those things that I think it's important to, um, you know, especially if you question whether or not this the systemic racism that people talk about actually exists. And based on some of the stuff that I see on the internet, a large percentage of people, at least in America, continue to question whether or not this is even a reality. They think this is just some trumped up bullshit. Mm. Um, that's trying to support some kind of Marxist movement or whatever the latest conspiracy theory is about it. Um, when the reality is, is there's a lot of injustice that's being, been done and this movie does a great job. It's just a great movie, it's a great story and it does a really good job of highlighting exactly how frustrating it would be uh, to be a black person in the justice system, especially at that, at that juncture, in that place and the deep, deep South Alabama. Um, so just mercy, watch it, it's good. And if you wanna go back a few decades, the hurricane is a yeah. is a similar story. Yeah. All right, hashtag your biscuits. Let's continue the conversation. Let us know what you think. And then we'll speak at you again next week because- That's what we do. We want to, we enjoy it. <laughs>